from WIS Politics in Madison. You're listening to Capital Chats. Hello, everybody. This is Kate Morton with WIS Politics here with a Capital Chats podcast for you. I am in the office with my colleague Adam Kellenhofer, who did an interview with John Johnson, who is a research fellow at the Marquette Law School Lubar Center. So, Adam, we know we've got some news about new maps recently. What did you guys chat about? Hi, Kate. Yeah, I first wanted to get Johnson's first impressions on the maps that were submitted to the state Supreme Court for possible redistricting resolutions. So um, we'll have to keep up to date on the news on this issue because it sounds like it's a long-term issue that could end up at the U.S. Supreme Court level. But let's just hear what Johnson had to say about the maps. So today I'm joined by John Johnson. He's a research fellow at the Marquette Law School Lubar Center, and we're going to be talking about redistricting and legislative maps. So John, I just wanted to get your initial impressions on some of these map submissions. So what do you generally think of what was submitted? In the ruling throwing out the old maps, the Wisconsin Supreme Court laid out the criteria that they would use to evaluate the proposed remedial maps by, but they didn't, in most cases, identify the specific metrics that they would use for those criteria. And there's a lot of different ways you can measure things like compactness and partisan balance. Uh, So what I've tried to do is come up with a set of consistent metrics that I'm applying to each plan. Um, And when I do that, I see that there's no one plan that's a consistent winner across each criteria. Some do better on some metrics than others. Sometimes that's because some of the metrics are a little bit in tension with each other. So compactness and splitting municipalities. Uh, Some municipalities have weird shapes. So if you're insisting on drawing a map that respects those boundaries, it might be a little less compact. If you're interested in maximizing compactness, well, you might need to split those municipal boundaries. And indeed, we see that in the assembly, the most compact plan, the, the petering plan, um, is uh, split some more municipalities than some of the other plans, which are a little less compact. So the court has some judgment calls ahead of it in deciding which of these metrics are more important than others. All right. Um, that makes sense. So um, yesterday, uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss, before the uh, assembly floor session, kind of uh, threw out some criticism against a lot of these maps saying that they move like half of the state of Wisconsin when, you know, a lot of Republicans have said that they could fix the contiguity issues by moving, you know, three to 5,000 Wisconsinites instead. Um, what do you think of that criticism? Is that a valid, valid concern? The plan that the legislative Republicans put forward is essentially the same as their old map, just with those contiguity issues fixed. Um, the court in their December ruling was quite explicit in rejecting a least change approach to the maps. Okay. So it sounds like uh, unlikely that the, the court is going to pick Republicans uh, maps. Uh, Certainly the court has previously expressed that they are uninterested in a least change approach. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's that's the approach that Republicans took in, in drawing the current maps. So that that makes sense. Um, I want to so I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, you know, basically uh, the court criteria that you mentioned earlier in in the in the podcast here. Um, what kind of uh, you, you mentioned a lot of those criteria are, are um, kind of in contention with each other. 
Um, can you talk a little bit more about that? How, like what, what area or what criteria are kind of mismatched, I guess? Well, it, it's sort of like if you go really hard on one criteria, you'll, you'll sacrifice on some others. So, you know, one example is population deviation versus following county lines. You can imagine that you could have a district that follows county lines and has a population deviation maybe around 2%. And you might say, hey, that's good. We're done. Or you might say, well, we'd really like to have an even lower population deviation. So we'll flip a few census blocks uh, from one district to another to even out the populations even more closely, but that will cause us to split the county line a little bit. Uh, and you know, which, which of those matters more? Is it better to have a 1% population deviation or a 2% population deviation if it means crossing a county line? That's a, that's a judgment call. Okay, so um, that that makes sense. So there's going to be there's going to have to be a little bit of nuance in deciding you know which maps uh, the courts pick. Um, are there, so clearly a lot, all these maps that were submitted are intended to kind of fit within that criteria. Are you seeing any kind of, of partisan advantage for some maps over others that, you know, still fit within the court criteria? They vary dramatically in their partisan impact. Uh, so there's a lot of ways you can measure this, a lot of totally legitimate ways you can measure this. I've tried to do a narrow specific thing when I measure partisan advantage, I've tried to model what the outcome of the 2022 legislative elections would have been had they been held in these districts. Um, obviously, you can't just add up the vote for Republican and Democratic state legislative candidates because many of those seats weren't contested. So what I've done is used a model to use the results of the governors, senators, uh, AG and state treasurer's races to predict the legislative vote in those districts. Turns out, if you know the outcome of those four races, you can pretty accurately predict what the state legislative race was going to be. Although it's important to note that in 2022, Republican state legislative candidates were in general quite a bit more popular than statewide Republicans. Um, and so, you know, they, they did, in my measure, expects uh, Republican legislative candidates to do better than statewide Republicans, because that's what happened in 2022. Anyway, when you simulate the 2022 election in these proposed districts, you see a split ranging from 35 Democratic seats to 64 Republican seats in the legislative Republicans map. That's basically the same as uh, what we used in 2022. Then the will map bumps it up to 39 Democratic seats to 60 Republican. And then all the other plans are much more Democratic leaning, although the, this, the plan that creates, in my estimation, the most Democratic seats, the Law Forward plan still only creates 49 for Democrats and 50 for Republicans, so still a, a slight Republican edge there. But as you can see, that that's quite a large spread. And if you look at uh, the size of the sort of swing towards the Democrats needed for them to win that 50th seat in the assembly, the plan that uh, makes makes a Democratic majority the most likely in that sense is is the one submitted by Petering using his fast map algorithm that that would require like a Democrats to get like 51% of the two party vote for my model to anticipate them winning 50 seats. Got it. Okay. So a, a big criticism by a lot of Republicans about this entire redistricting lawsuit is that they say the 
the Supreme Court has been flipped uh, to, you know, tilt the scales towards the left. Um, and they Republicans are saying that the court is obviously going to pick a map that favors the Democrats the most. Um, you mentioned the Petering map is the most likely to result in a Democratic uh, advantage in the legislature. Do you think that map proposal, does that fit the criteria well enough for the Supreme Court to pick it? Or or are there others that, you know, don't quite get to that Democratic majority and still fit with that in that criteria better? I think pretty much all of these plans based on the court's ruling would be constitutional selections. Hmm. Okay. Um, that, that sounds like it's going to be a challenge for the Supreme court then. Cause, uh, I mean, if they all, if they all fit within the, the criteria, then, um, you know, what, what kind of, uh, other criteria that they didn't order, would they, could they use to, to decide the maps, I guess. Maybe I misspoke. So I think all of these plans would, with maybe one exception, would, would meet the constitutional requirements of the map. Okay. Do you, are, are there any, uh, any like major standout issues with any of the maps? Like, are there any that are just like bonkers crazy and, and for sure, like very, very unlikely to get picked? I think the map that the legislative Republicans submitted is sort of deliberately not playing ball with uh, what the court requested. You know, the, the, the legislative Republicans have been very clear that they think the ruling was wrong. Um, and so, you know, in their plan, you see that they've they've changed very little. Uh, it's really a least change approach to their own previously least change map. Uh, and it actually results in quite a lot of municipal and ward splits um, because of the way they approach resolving the contiguity issues in their plan. And of course, it has the most um, extreme or has the, the the partisan balance is sort of the furthest away from 50-50. Um, and so I think that's an example of a plan that doesn't tick many of the sort of boxes the court laid out in their ruling, but it does meet the sort of minimum constitutional standard of equal populations and being contiguous. Okay. So that makes sense. Um, do you think there is, is there any way kind of out of this, this map issue, um, resolving it from from the state level without going up to the U.S. Supreme Court? Well, I mean, the legislature and the governor could pick a map. If they don't do that, the Supreme Court has said they'll institute a map. So I think that's the resolution. Yeah. Okay. Um, it would sorry. be weird if the federal government got involved. That that's It's not traditionally been considered their role. Right. Yeah. And they have refused to step in in the past, or at least they, you know. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's, a state, it's a state issue. Right. Okay. One of one of the the criticisms that Voss threw out yesterday uh, of of at least one of the maps was that it would it would result in he said it would it would disenfranchise a lot of voters who had who would previously plan to vote in vote for a senator in twenty twenty four and he said that you know half of Wisconsinites who were planning to do that would no longer be able to under these new maps um, is that any kind of issue here with actual elections like is that um, is that going to happen with all the maps that have been submitted or, or would that just be, you know, one or two of the maps? I haven't looked, I haven't looked at that. Uh, so I think the question is how many voters would be moved from, um, an even numbered district under the maps we previously used into an 
odd numbered district. Yes. Yeah, so go from 2020 all the way until 2026 without voting for state senator. Do I have that right? Yeah, basically. Um, yeah, because if you were yeah. moved into an odd district from an even or, or okay. vice versa, yeah. Well, I haven't measured that, so I'm not sure how much it varies between the plans, but I would imagine that there are plans where there's you know a substantial number of people who would find themselves in that situation. Um, that's also something that can happen during you know the the standard every ten year redistricting cycle. Yeah, are there is is there any way to do redistricting in a way that um, you would have you know voters stay within the same or at least within like an even or an odd numbered district so that they're uh, election timing, I guess, stays the same, or is that kind of just like not possible because you're changing where voters live or where voters are in districts? I'm not aware of that ever having been a goal in previous redistricting cycles. Okay, that's interesting. Well, Adam, thank you for sharing that interview. In the meantime, if our listeners want to learn more about these new maps and all the redistricting issues, they can head to our website at wispolitics.com. That's right, Kate. But for now, I'm Adam Kelnhofer. I'm Kate Morton. Thanks for tuning in to Wisp Politics Capital Chats, brought to you by Spectrum.